Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles, grab them and go to Joshua. We are in Joshua chapter 6 again this weekend. And last weekend, uh, we were in Joshua, parts of Joshua 5 and parts of Joshua 6. And we are going to look again at this same story. And it's just so loaded that as I was studying this week, I was like, I cannot get past this story without talking about it again. And we talked about the story of, of how the, the moment where the Israelites are at. And the Israelites have been through so much. God has delivered them out of bondage, brought them out of Egypt and taken them through this, the wilderness. And God has taken them somewhere. Aren't you glad that God has a purpose for your life? Amen. That you're not just on this this planet, you don't just live in this city just to live in this city, but God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and God is taking you somewhere. It may not be a physical destination, but there is a place spiritually, uh, emotionally, there's, there's a place God is trying to take you to, and I'm so glad that we have, have a God that takes us to the purposes that God has for us. And he's taken them to this promised land. And the, the promised land, it symbolizes the place of freedom. And where God has taken them and he is wanting them to grow. He's taken them through all of these experiences because God wants us to grow, wants them to grow. And this is what I love about the Bible is you can look in the in throughout the Bible and you see so many stories that you can say, I'm so glad the Bible didn't sugarcoat this. It tells us the, the, the truth about these stories and we can so relate to this. And one of the things that we learned last weekend that God does in our life, oftentimes when he's, he's wanting us to to have a breakthrough transition. And this, if you're taking notes, is part two of the spiritual breakthroughs, the breakthrough transitions that we need in our life. A baby just said amen, I think so. <laughs> Man, that's good. I think, y'all, y'all think I'm playing? I, I think I heard a little baby say amen. <sighs> but God takes us through these these breakthrough, they're breakthrough transitions. They're not just these places that you just kind of change locations. They were, they were so powerful, they were breakthroughs in your life. And one of the things that we learned is that God oftentimes, to give you a breakthrough transition, is that he will change your diet. And we see this in the Israelites, where God changed their diet when he moved them from, from place to place, from transition to transition. And one of the scriptures that we read last weekend was the last part of chapter five before we got to chapter six where it tells us the story of Jericho, which is the, the, last, the last big obstacle before they get into the promised land. It's a place where it's gonna take the most faith in they, that they've ever had. It's a battle that they're gonna have to face. They're not warriors, they're facing this battle. And we see this place, this moment that God has brought them to, but there's been a lot of diet change. And, and what you see 
The verses before this story is that actually the Bible tells us that the manna ceased and now that the people, they ate the food from the ground. They actually had to, to work for their food. They had to actually sow a seed. They had to actually be groundbreakers. And what you see is the food of bondage, just to kind of review for those of you that, that um, didn't take notes or maybe you weren't here last weekend. The food of bondage, basically in, when they were in bondage, the Bible tells us that they ate leeks, garlic, and onions. And how many of you know when you eat that, you know, people know that you ate that. Because your breath is kicking. And your breath stinks. People know what you've been eating. And, and when, you're in, when you are in the place of bondage and you're eating the food of bondage, in other words, you're eating offense, you're eating bitterness. People can smell the bitterness. They can smell the unforgiveness. And part of God's transition in their life is they changed their diet and he took them to the wilderness. And the food of wilderness, the Bible tells us that God gave them manna. He just provided this out of nowhere. And manna means what is it? And there's a season in your life where spiritually you're like learning things. Like when you first get saved and you start going to church and you hear us talk about baptism, you're like, well, what is it? You have the, all of these things that it's like the wilderness season of your life, but some of us, we just kind of stay in that season. Some of us get used to staying, eating the food of bondage, and we're just kind of going, you know what, I don't want to change my attitude. I don't want to change. I don't want to forgive. And some of us are in the, eating the food of wilderness where we're just kind of wandering around. Just We're like, well, I hope God takes care of me. The place, and listen to me, I want you to get this today. The place God wants you to go and take you to is this, this place of where you start eating the food of freedom. The food of freedom, it's not a handout. It's, it's a, and again, I'm not talking about salvation. Your salvation is a gift from God, but there is a place that you get in your faith where you begin to understand that you are going to get what you put in spiritually. What you sow is what you're going to reap. You can show up to church and go, man, I'm just here to kind of watch a little bit of service and be entertained a little bit. Or you can go, you know what? I'm pushing everything aside. I am here to worship God. I am not going to be distracted. I, I'm here for God to speak to me. It's your decision. It's your choice. The food of freedom, it's, it's a powerful place, but it is a place that it, a demand is placed on your faith. See, the Israelites, there is a demand placed on their faith. And just to kind of remind you of the story of Jericho, and I want to read part of that again to you. But there's this, this city that is standing in the, in, the play, in the way of them being able to get to the place of their freedom. It's a city that the walls are so big that there's no way that they can get through it. And um, it's, it's just, they can't get through this. And it's gonna take faith like they've never had. It's gonna take them doing something that they've never done before. Do you know that sometimes God will ask you to do things in your life that are untested strategies in your own personal life? Sometimes you're even gonna think you'd kind of look foolish. 
the command that the Israelites were given was not that we're going to, like, bomb the place. Joshua didn't tell them we've got this, like, we got all these bow and arrow. He didn't have that. He just said, God told me we're going to march around this city. And we're going to do it quietly. And on the seventh day, we're going to march around this seven times, and then we're going to all shout. And I want to show you a part of this story that maybe you have never thought about. And I believe what I'm going to talk to you about today is probably one of the most significant messages that I've ever spoken to you in the history of this church. Not that it's the words that I'm speaking, but the content of what I'm saying. If you can get this in your heart, it's, it's probably one of the most significant things for our church to get and to understand. Joshua chapter 6 Verse one, it says, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. And I, let me stop and just say this. I love this. I underlined this and circled it. Both of those things in my Bible because that's so powerful. It was closed up. Why? Because of the people. They had heard about what God wanted to do in their life. And sometimes I believe that we, the enemy fears more what God wants to do in our life than we do that we understand what God wants to do in our life. They, they understood that this place was already given to them by God. It says, now, none went out, none came in, and the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, and its king and mighty men of valor. And again, there's a contrast there. Joshua saw a city, the Israelites saw a city that was closed up. Joshua saw something that was impossible. The people saw something with their eyes that was impossible. The contrast is what God saw was that this was already given them. And you being able to see what God has for you is so powerful. And he says, see, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. All, everybody say all. All. The men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all, everybody say all. Then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up everyone straight before him. And I want you to see something that maybe you have not thought about that part of the victory, a part of what gave them that breakthrough transition in their life, part of what gave them the power to be able to see the walls of Jericho fall, it's that they had unity. We live in a world and in a, in a country right now that is probably more divided than ever. You know, you could probably say that we're not the United States, we're the divided states. And I wanna caution you that the church should not be a reflection of our society. But the church should be a reflector of what God is doing in the church. And what the the world needs to see. And I wanna talk about this today because again, 
We underestimate and and undervalue the power of unity. Unity is is so powerful. And I want to show you this because, again, there, there are so many things that sometimes... We don't understand that unity is a big deal and and the people of Israel were united. Can you imagine, and and I want to just say this to you, I'm not speaking about this because I think that there's disunity in the church, so I want you to relax. Creekwood has been blessed with a supernatural unity. This church has been so united, but listen to me, I believe where God wants to take us is we have to commit ourselves like never before to being united. The unity is power. That when we are united, there's something supernatural that is released in the kingdom of God. Let me show you in Psalms 133. Psalms 133, it says, Behold, verse 1, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on their head, running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. And listen to this. It says, for there, for there the Lord has commanded bless, the blessing life forevermore. There's actually, when we are in unity, when we're united, and listen to me, this, is, this isn't just about the church, this is about your, your family. This is about your marriage. Do you know that the enemy doesn't want you to be united and in unity as a couple? Some of you are like, man, pastor, at my house, it's been Armageddon. Because I'm like so sick of being around my family and my spouse and five months of sitting around looking at each other like, I'm like, don't talk to me about unity. But I I want you to, to hear me when I say this is that the enemy doesn't care that we sing. We, got, we have a lot of talent. What, what the enemy cares about is that we get in alignment together. That we get in, in unity together. That we understand the, uh, the power when we as a church stand together with, not, not that we all agree about everything. And listen, we, everybody, people are different. Just like, you know, you, when's the last time you went to a family reunion? And you get around your family and you realize how different people are, right? And, and uh, uh, isn't it true that a lot of us have families that our, our slogan is what happens at family reunions stays at family reunions? Because some crazy stuff happens, but you love each other. But, but like, it's kind of crazy. Like, isn't it true that when you get in family reunions, people say some crazy stuff? Like, Man, you know, you run into each other and you're like, man, you haven't changed a bit. And you haven't seen them in 20 years. Or, oh my gosh, you've gotten big. <laughs> or, you know, when are you going to get married? Or, when are you, 
when are you guys going to have kids? Don't you love that one? But one of the things that happens is you get around each other and it's awkward and all this stuff and you love each other and you, you say this thing like, you know what, we gotta be better about getting together and we gotta be better about communicating and I wanna just say this to you and my message today is just to, to remind us of the power that we need to be better at understanding the power of us being united. I know our culture says that we need to be socially distanced, but I don't think that's the proper way. Listen, you, you can be physically, have physical distance, but social distance is not biblical. You need people in your life. And the enemy is, is up against your unity. He's trying to bring disunity in your family because he knows that if your family is united, there is a commanded blessing on your life. I, I think it's kind of crazy what God asked them to do. God asked them to walk around the city and, and, and just walk around and not say anything. And like, that's kind of crazy. You think about how, how when you start to, to process the power of what, what unity does and that they were all together, they did this together, they were committed to this. Oftentimes, it's, it's easy for us to kind of go, well, you know what, man, this, like walking around this city, these walls, I don't know if that's really gonna make any difference. I don't know if, if me serving or me being like, like volunteering or me being in a life group, is that really gonna make a difference? And, and for you, maybe it seems kind of goofy. You're like, man, I don't wanna go to somebody's house and it's awkward a little bit and I don't know them. And, but listen to me, could it be maybe that in that unity, when you get united with other Christ followers, other people, that's where there's going to be a commanded blessing on your life? I don't know about you, but I wanna be a part of a church that has a commanded blessing over this place. It means that we have to, we have to like recommit ourselves. I know that we've been out of this like five months and you've been watching it online. I know y'all been, you have not missed a single online service. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's hard. But I'm just, I want, want to challenge you to recommit ourselves to understanding the power of, of, of us being united. Do you know that there's this 2080 rule that is in most churches? 2080 rule means basically that 20% of the church does most of the work. 20% of the church worships. 20% of the church gives, 20% of the church serves, and 80% spectates. Aren't you glad you came to church today? What if we change that? And it was 80% of the church participates and the 20% is the, the heathen people walking through the doors. Your family member. I'm just kidding. 
We need each other. We de- let's, let, me, let me just say this. We desperately need each other. Romans 12, 5 says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is Christ's body. We are, we are many parts of one body and we, are, we all belong to each other. We need each other. You know, this, this past week, my wife um, got locked out of the house. I was gone. She, would, she went outside, and she was in her pajamas. And she was out there letting the dog out, and she's out in her pajamas and uh, realized she's out of the house, and um, she didn't have her phone, but she had her, her, her watch phone or whatever it's called. I, um, I know I didn't say that right. But these, this is what she texted me. Stephen, I'm locked out of the house. I'm in the backyard. <laughs> Stephen, I'm in the backyard and I'm locked out of the house and I need you to come home. Stephen, please come home. <laughs> I'm locked out of the house. I'm in the backyard. This is not a joke. And she told me she was about to crawl over the fence to the neighbor's yard in her pajamas. I'm not going to show you a picture of her pajamas, but anyways. Um, we desperately need each other. And, and I, I just, let me, let me just go back to this scripture that we, that, where there is a commanded blessing. Because, um, again, I want you to understand this. There, there are different kinds of blessings. There is... Um, Number one, there's a common blessing. A common blessing, it, it just means that you live in the world that you live. It doesn't matter if you're righteous or unrighteous. The sun comes out. Uh, it rains. Uh, you experience the joy of having a child. An unbeliever can experience the, 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 uh, this level of blessing in their life. It is a common blessing. It's the base level. Number two, there's the received blessing. The received blessing, this comes out of obedience. When, when you obey God, there's this received blessing. Number three, there's this positional blessing. That, that is, it's a positional blessing that you get because you're in Christ. Ephesians chapter one tells us that we have been blessed in Christ. When you get saved, there is a positional covenant blessing that God gives to you because you're his child. But I want to just say this to you. The highest level of blessing that, that you can have in your life is this commanded blessing. It is where the Lord God has pronounced a blessing over your life. Psalms 133 again says that when there is unity, it is, there is this commanded blessing that God, God commands a supernatural blessing, a supernatural favor when we get in alignment. This is why you have to work hard. Couples, listen to me. The enemy is after your unity. 
He's trying to get you to fight. He's trying to just to get you to be roommates and just kind of live in that house, but you're mad at each other and you're carrying bitterness and, and you're just kind of carrying that along. The enemy does not want you to be united and this is why you, you need to work hard at saying we may not agree with everything, but we want a commanded blessing over our children. We want a commanded blessing over our marriage. When we find ourselves and we're in unity, this is the same thing for us as a church. When we stand in unity, when we, when we rise up united to say we care enough about this city, when we rise up and we say we care more about the loss than we do sitting on our butts in church, and I love sitting in church and I love being together but I don't ever want to get to a place that this becomes more important to me than the lost. We're not here to have church for church people. Church is, is for us to reach the lost, for you to become empowered and, 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 and feel God's presence, God to work in your story and God to change you. We cannot ever lose track of what this is about. This is what unites us. What unites us is one purpose, and that is we love the lost, and we want to see more people come to know Christ. This is why, listen to me, we can all be different. We all have different opinions about all kinds of stuff, but when we come together, we as a church are united with one focus to say we are here to reach the lost. Do you know that our West Campus, the miracle of this West Campus, how massive it is, a hundred and crazy, 108 crazy acres. It's, it's unreal. Like people ask me, what are y'all doing with all that land? I, I'm like, God has big plans. But we cannot think that what God wants to do, and this, this is a Jericho wall in front of us, to build a 90,000 square foot campus over there with a student center and all that has to happen for us to just kind of go, well, man, we're going to let like 10% of the church kind of do all the work and I'm just going to kind of wait around. Y'all let me know when it's done. Listen, I... I want something for you. I'm not up here trying to manipulate you into anything. I'm just, I, I, I want you to understand there's, there's an exciting life in front of you. Can you imagine the moment they're walking around? They've been walking around six days and going, man, I'm tired. We've been walking around the desert and now God wants us to just walk around. And on that seventh day, when they went around seven times and they, they let out that shout and that wall started falling. Oh my word, how exciting is that? See, listen to me, your faith as a Christ follower, it ought to be the most exciting thing in the world. I'm preaching really good today. 
And I got one baby and one other person saying it. But listen to me, I, I, listen, I'm not, I, I love y'all, but I, I, want, I want this for us. I want this for your family. See, the world, when we're united, the world is going to see God's love. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You know what I love about this story? I, I think one of my most favorite things is that there's a surprise. There's a surprise in the story that a lot of us don't think about. The surprise is that God uses a lying prostitute named Rahab to actually save the Jewish people. And I want to just tell you this. God's going to use your story. God's going to use your experiences. When you're willing to walk into this place and say, you know what, I love Creekwood, and I love what the purpose is. You know, the first weekend we started this series, I told you that our, our mission here at Creekwood is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We're, we want to reach more people. But I, I'm convinced that us just wishing people would come to this church or us just kind of thinking, well, man, I, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping people in Mansfield get saved, but I, I, like I'm sick of all this COVID junk. I'm sick of, like, I don't want to wear another mask and all this stuff, and we kind of want to whine and complain, and I'm a, I can be a whiner and a complainer too. I'm sick of it all. And we just kind of walk in our own physical strength. But when we're willing to push all of that aside and say, you know what we need over our church is we need a, we need a commanded blessing. We're going to obey God. If God says to walk around the city, we're, we need a commanded blessing over this church. When we have that commanded blessing, that favor over the, our families, and we're able to do this as a church, and we go out, listen to me, people are going to come in droves to find Christ. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a day that we're going to say 108 acres is not enough land. That's how big God is. I want to ask you to pray with me today and I want to ask you to just at your seat to bow your heads for just a few moments. You know, I believe that there are people in this room right now that, man, maybe it's your marriage and your family has been so divided. Maybe it's, it's with a coworker and I don't know where in, in your life, but 
what you realize is that the root of a lot of this is that you've never really surrendered your life to Christ. And your pride and your anger and unforgiveness, all of that stuff is, has been a part of your life. And this is a moment that God has brought you to right now to surrender your life, to say, Jesus Christ, I want to surrender my life to you. And I want to ask you to be the Lord of my life. If you're here today and you're like, Pastor Stephen, I want to receive Christ. I need to surrender. I'm tired of being in control of my life. Just lift your hand up and put it right back down and say, Pastor Stephen, I want to receive Christ today. Just put it up. There's hands going up around this room. Just, man, thank you for your honesty. Right there at your seats, you can pray this prayer. Say, Jesus Christ, I confess my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you forgive me of all of my sins. God, I give all of my sins to you. God, I give all of my past to you. Father, I pray that you would make me your son and your daughter. I receive your forgiveness today in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.